were alike. I mean, we were similar. We had something together, like this. You know what I mean? We thought alike, we felt the same way. But you, fuck you. Somebody incredibly influential in our lives died today. Really? Who's that? Uh, his name is Joey. Joey. Jordanson. Joey Jordanson died? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, he drugs? died in his sleep. Was it drugs? No. they No. So, apparently, he quit Slipknot because his legs weren't working because he had some kind of crazy neurological disorder, which makes sense if you like. It's like playing in. in, in it's like it's like being paralyzed from the waist down and trying to play in dra- uh, Darkest Hour. Like, it's just not going to happen. Right. Like, so so his legs stopped working and then he was like, I'm going to go to the fucking gym and I'm going to beat this fucking thing. And apparently he did, but he uh, died in his sleep. Damn. Says he was 46, man. Yeah, he's 46 years old. So, um, you know, I that say sucks. he's influential because he was on all the great Slipknot records, except for I don't think he was on All Hope is Gone. I mean, dude, I'm just I'm just like a real big murder dolls fan. So this is really hitting me in a special kind of way. <laughs> you know, my first thought was if you're five five five, if I'm five five five, you're RIP. <laughs> that sucks though, man. He's he is an icon. All those dudes are icons. I mean, slipknot, man. It, it, yeah. It's just it's what it is. So RIP well, to, like, to Joey J. Well, you know, it's one of those things I was like, I was like reviewing, I was like going back and looking at Slipknot and their discography and stuff. And I was like, man, like I remember being in like eighth grade driving to driving back from Washington, D.C. because I spent all my money on CDs in Washington, D.C. And uh, and also you did a red that shit so much as you, even as you got older, I still do it. So I haven't paid my mortgage in three months because I've been buying <laughs> records. Um, no, but I, uh, so I remember driving back and the only things I bought while I was there is I bought a, a, a Mighty Mouse shirt. I don't know why I bought a Mighty Mouse shirt. <laughs> you have a head injury. Oh my uh, God. A red, a, a, a bootleg red New York Yankees hat. Cause, cause you're Fred Durst. Uh, I was really into new metal back then. And then I discovered Slipknot and I was like, oh shit, I don't have to like new metal anymore because I've got Slipknot, which is like more new metal but less new metal i guess so I don't e- yeah i don't even know if i classify it as new metal it's like groove metal yeah so either way it's like rap metal uh is how they described it too like because they do some like kind of rapping on it but anyway yeah. uh, i got that self-titled one and then i looked at like all the members of the band and i was like this is the second person of the original slipknot lineup who's died um and because the pig guy died the pig bass player died yeah. um and uh and now they don't number their band members anymore. Yeah, they. It seems like they're 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 getting real normal. They're not they're not dollar sign IQ anymore, and that is is concerning to me. Yeah, they need to they need to tighten up. They need to yeah. to, to bring it back. They need to revisit this old Slipknot, the one where they hit kegs with baseball bats. Yeah, yeah, get weird with it, boys. I mean, let's not let's not uh, let's not start wearing suits on stage like HR or whatever the fuck you're gonna do. I don't know though. I will say this: All Hope Is Gone was like one of their later records, and that record rips. I have literally only, I think, ever listened to the first one, Iowa, and what's the one that came after that? Um, it's called uh, like Volume Three. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I the think, self-titled one is the best one. I think Iowa is my favorite. I, I mean, Iowa does rule. Um, I'm Dude, gonna people equal shit, man. 
Yeah, dude. People equal shit is such a fucking great song. I mean, I love that it's like so <laughs> dumb, like dumb, stupid, simple, but it's a, well, okay. So like, but when you listen to All Hope Is Gone, they have a song where it's like literally just them, a whole group of people chanting, All Hope Is Gone. It's so much better than so many hardcore bands that we listen to. Well, I think that's why they had that crossover appeal, because I feel like in the 2000s, if you were into like heavier hardcore and you didn't like Slipknot, you were a fucking poser. Yeah. Well, that so there's a, the, the self-titled record. There is like the first song where like I used to be able to rap that entire like I used to know all the lyrics to that record, but like I used to be able to rap that. But I would I could do it like where, you know, like some people have to like concentrate when they're like focused on the lyrics. I could do it like while I'm doing like the new metal head shake where I'm like. Oh da, yes, da, 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 yeah. you really so, had it down, then. Dude, I was fucking new metal as shit. Like nobody realizes that. Like I, I, you, you like everybody. <laughs> like before I discovered like Mashuga and like Cannibal Corpse and Face to Face. Like I was fucking new metal as fuck. Those like, three bands got, are so different from each other. <laughs> yes, yes they are. Um, <laughs> yes they are. Uh, and so, uh, but man, it was like like Slipknot was like like an entry point for me for some of those bands too. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, they they, they definitely I would say they definitely are a good gateway band to heavier music. Yeah. And I mean, they're they're fucking they're fucking heavy, man. I mean, I used to I used to Google try to see what they looked like under their masks, like before everybody knew. <laughs> I was like, what, what does assholes look like? Um, <laughs> and then I would just see a picture of a random person. I'd be like, is that clown? <laughs> is that clown? Yeah, I would just find pictures on like MySpace. Is that is that clown? Is that the guy with the dildo for a nose? Yeah, I kind of wish they'd never taken their masks off. Imagine if they still imagine if now 2021 Slipknot had still kept their masks on. Imagine that. Like Kiss? I mean, they, they did the whole no makeup thing in the 80s. And then they and then they sang lick it up and everybody was really uncomfortable with that. Well, I mean, it is uncomfortable. These, from what from what I understand, these, from what I understand, old, Gene Simmons is like greasy and gross. These old paunchy Jewish men talking about licking it up. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> and love gun nah i'm good yeah well i, I mean, mean they, to be fair to be fair no makeup is better than makeup where the guy had an onk tattooed on his face or painted on his face well i you know i just think i, I think with a lot of the, the kiss like with a lot of their euphemisms it was simply because they came from jewish households and their mothers would probably beat them to death if they knew what <laughs> they were what they were thinking about yeah gene are you serious <laughs> love gun love gun is this how i taught you and then she just beats his ass with the torah yeah yeah, yeah. It, i can say that uh, my mom's jewish yeah that's true that's true you, that is i i have met your mom several times and that is true this is true um well hi everybody welcome to i don't want to hear it i'm mikey and i'm shane and we're back from our road trip with another one and one or five yeah fuck yeah that was an awesome road trip we should do that more often <laughs> i'd be down i'd be down yeah I thought it was great. So uh, I, I had to well, say um, if what, the, the thing is, though, you do realize that if we ever, you know, if we're ever doing music again and we do a weekend, we're going to get some content out of that weekend because that's who we are now. Oh, fuck. Yeah. No, yeah. I think like, yeah, yeah. Every, everything is a content opportunity. Oh, yeah. um, I, I do have to say and something that people don't realize or appreciate is that Mikey turned that around in a day like we recorded that on Saturday. Mikey edited it and got it out for Sundays to release on Monday. So like normally we record on a Tuesday night and Mikey recruit like gets it all ready for release on the next Monday. So normally Mikey has at least six days to do this five. We'll say five days. Even Mikey did it in 24 hours. Fuck yeah. I did it. Empty <laughs> and charged. <laughs> okay. 
so it was it was great though so kudos we've been uh, i appreciate that thank you we've been uh uh lacking on our dave matthews uh references all right Got more calls on a beach. Get sand. All right. So we're going to do, because uh, it's a one one or five, we're going to do a forgotten freshness. Whoop, whoop. I'm in an ape suit. That means I don't give a fuck. Well, I'm getting paid. Everybody sit there and shut the fuck up while I'm peeling caps like bananas, motherfucker. Uh, my Forgotten Freshness is a band that I didn't discover until this year. And um, apparently they had a little bit of an influence. Uh, apparently they have their own separate Wikipedia page that is separate from the doo-wop group of the same name. Um, yeah. And they were an indie rock band from New Jersey called The Wrens. Do you remember The, the Wrens? No, I have no the- idea what you're talking about. That's what I'm saying. I, I I don't know what I'm talking about either. So like they were the, the Rens, W-R-E-N-S. Um, they were active from 1989 to what this says here is present. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know that that is the case or that's true because I haven't heard anything from them as of present. Um, they have uh, the Guardian actually said that they were declared um they were surely one of the best live bands in the world. So apparently they're really great live. The Wrens. The Wrens. So the best way I can describe them is that they are very similar to a lot of the bands that came out at the, uh, like the early stage, like the, like the emo stage. Like you've got like, um, you know, you got the promise ring and you've got um, American football and all those bands that kind of had that flavor. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, you probably would appreciate them, but not like them, because you would be like, "This is boring ass." <laughs> if they, I mean, if they sound like uh, like Jets to Brazil, it's like that. Yeah, I'm, you won't like them. Nah, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. So, for a band that's been around from 1989 to present, they put out three uh, releases officially. They had Silver in 1994. They had Secaucus in 1996. Uh, but the record that I discovered them on was a record called The Meadowlands. And uh, this is 13 songs, about an hour long. Um, and it starts off with a bunch of really great hits like the song Happy, uh, She Sends Kisses. Uh, this boy is exhausted and hopeless are like just a great way to start this record. Mm. Um, they straight up sound like exactly what I'm talking about. They sound like they could have toured with American football and been perfectly comfortable on that tour without any like sunny day real estate stuff. I mean, like all in that realm, they're, they're like, you would, you would appreciate it if you like that stuff. Um, and if you don't like that stuff, then you will go listen to something different. Like normal humans do. Um, so apparently in 2014, they finished recording their fourth album. And as of this, as of this time, no release date has been announced. <laughs> I'm sure it went well in the studio. There yeah, wasn't sounds, blood all yeah. over the walls. Yeah. It sounds like they're really <laughs> like, uh, like really doing well right now. So anyway, if you get a chance, go listen to the Meadowlands. I, I haven't listened to the other stuff yet, but it was one of those bands where I was like, I can't believe I never heard them, but apparently people really loved them for a period of time. Never heard of them. I hadn't heard of them either. So I'm like, so that's why they're even more forgotten. 
here. So anyway, go listen to them. They're great. Yeah. Go listen to them. Go listen to them. Um, for my forgotten freshness this week, uh-huh. I have chosen the band with the best band name in the world. Hive Annihilation. That it's it's close. <laughs> Hive Annihilation is close. I chose a band called Alabama Thunder Pussy. Oh fuck yeah, this band <laughs> rules, dude. Alabama <laughs> Thunder Pussy. I mean, it's they that that is a really great band name. Like that's up there with like Flesh God Apocalypse and shit like that. Yeah, it's good. Now, I was never I knew I knew they were like a relapse band for, for the most part. That's how I, I, I knew about them because they were on all the relapse comps. And I just never really gave them a chance. For some reason, I thought they sounded like Zeke or like Motorhead or something, which is fine. Yeah. But they don't. And I've recently gone and given them like a full on listen. I went and I actually listened to their 98 EP. Oh, no, it wasn't an EP. 98 LP Rise Again um and their 2000 lp constellation and it's pretty fucking good (laughs) okay so the band they they were founded in richmond virginia which i i I know a bit i know a bit about richmond you know a thing or two thing or two about it Uh, i'll i'll get you around the fan or whatever it is i don't know (laughs) uh they started in 96 and they went all the way until 2008 and as just you know if you look at their picture <laughs> it's just i mean these are the dudes that you see on the streets of richmond some of them wearing shoes some of them not you know uh-huh. just walking along you know they're the type of dudes that would like walk into plan nine records or you know just you know they're they're going from one pop-up shop to a swap meet or some shit the, yeah. the, i mean matt matt is neck deep in these people all the time <laughs> but they're just long hairs you know, looking looking like uh, the only punk band they know is Avail, which is fine. And they're just a bunch of old Richmond rock and metal dudes. They started the band in 96 and they put out, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six LPs. And they did a couple of splits. But the only two I've listened to are Rise Again and Constellation. And it's really good sludgy metal. But at the same time, it's Southern and it's rocking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very rocking. Oh, it's rocking all right, buddy. I really I do really like this band a lot. Um, and the the vocals they kind of go between guttural screams and then like like (laughs) that type of shit, which I love. It's it's so great. And honestly, you know, if we ever do Grudge Holder again and we do these new songs I wrote, I'm gonna ask that Derek sing in that voice all the time. (laughs) Okay. No I yelling like that. anymore. I, I want it to be like, this will be how we transition into being like a sludge band, this EP that I wrote. Yeah, I'm I'm here for it. But as far as Alabama Thunder Pussy goes, um, they put out their last <laughs> record, Open Fire, in 2007. There has been no tell of them since. And I noticed they have two dead members, hmm. uh, two bassists. E.T. Schneider and Bill Storms. But these guys, these guys like names are crazy. Johnny Throckmorton, uh, Cletus LaRue Bogdan. <laughs> Holy shit. Are they great. they're from Louisiana? No, they're from Richmond. No, they have to be from Louisiana with names like that. Like they're straight up named after like uh like Rogue and Gambit's like alter egos. 
I mean, Richmond is Richmond's pretty swampy in and of itself. So is it? But is it like Bayou swampy? It's not Bayou swampy, but I mean, What's like I'm saying, I mean, you know, just a couple couple miles north is the ultimate swamp, right? DC, get it? Yeah, certainly wasn't drained. You know what I mean? <laughs> It'll never be drained because there's too many bodies in it. Um, so anyway, <laughs> um, uh, you know what? You actually are right. Um, there are a couple of new Orleans dudes who relocated. And one of them was in ex hoarder friend of the show. Oh, fuck. So, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, um, I would highly recommend Alabama thunder pussy. If you're into Southern sludge, if you're into down, if you're into anything like that, rise again, river city revival constellation, staring at the divine good records, highly recommended. Yeah. I, I am. I am fully here for it. Yeah, I thought you were about to say yeah. you're fully erect. That's what I thought I'm you were about fully, to say. Yeah, it's so fucking hard. <laughs> My dick I, has never been so hard. I am engorged. <laughs> like I there is so much blood rushing to my dick, I'm about to pass out. <laughs> yeah. I love this shit. I love it. All right. No. Well, you want to do these fucking lists? To the list. For my number five, it was a personal achievement that I cl- I uh, I got about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, for my number five, I got the platinum trophy in Bloodborne. Oh, what does that mean? Okay, so I mean, congratulations I, I, first of all. Congratulations, I guess. Achievements started on Xbox, right? And it's where you would make a game and. And it wasn't just about beating the game, right? It was about um, completing all the goals in the game. But there's uh, there's other stuff that like you get you get achievements for, right? Like say you I, I don't know I, say say you're playing a shooter, you shoot fifty guys in the head with a certain gun, then like boom, it, it says like achievement unlocked, and it'll say something like you know some clever little title for the for the achievement. Well, yeah. Play, PlayStation didn't used to have those um, until PlayStation Three. And then PlayStation now has trophies. Okay. So it's the same thing. It's, it's arbitrary tasks in a game that gets you the ultimate thing, which is the platinum trophy. And it, it reads hundred percent completed on your profile. So you can look at people's games and see what they've completed and what they haven't. Not that I ever would fucking do that because it's ridiculous, but so I got bloodborne back in 2016 i believe you know what i'm gonna sound like an asshole i have to look it up because the game's not in front of me right now it's in a box so hold on 2015 we're waiting okay okay so i got it um shortly after it came out right and you know i i played the game and it was notoriously difficult i've talked about the souls games on here before where they're just very challenging games but it's this cool like lovecraftian take on the formula like these you know it starts off as kind of like gothic horror and then it gets cosmic as you go and you know you play this hunter of beasts and you're sort of unraveling this horrible secret taking place in the town of yarnum and there's just like lots of blood and lots of monsters and it's great crazy bosses so I got it back in 2015 or 2016. I can't remember. It was right around the time I got my PS4 and I got laid off from the Hilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I played it for about two days. It was so frustrating. I went and traded it in. 
But then a week later, I was jonesing for it. I was like, there's something about this, man. I fucking love this shit. I went back, I bought the game, and I ended up beating it. And then the DLC came out, and I beat that. And then I went back, and I played it again, and I beat it. And I got better and better and better. So I beat it like four or five times. And as I I looked at my profile a couple weeks ago, and I was like, Bloodborne's at like 91%. I've never gotten a platinum trophy on PS4 before. I've never gotten a platinum trophy for any game. Mm-hmm. And I looked up the requirements. I'm like, oh, I got to beat this one hidden boss that I'd never, ever bothered to get to because it was such a pain in the ass. So I did it. And it was awesome because it, when the trophy pops, it goes, you know, and it just says Bloodborne. That, that basically means that you have beat that game into submission. <laughs> yeah. And, and and it's a rare trophy to get. Most people do not platinum any Souls games, let alone Bloodborne. Yeah. So I was pretty stoked on it. I was pretty happy with my progress. Yes, it's a video game, but it, it, it was just nice to get the trophy for it. And I'm proud of it. And it's a great game and everybody should play it. So that's my number five. I like that. I, that that feels that feels good. Like uh, like that that is an accomplishment that I will never achieve. No, because your 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 thumbs are as big as my hands. Yeah, no. Every time I play a PlayStation game, I smash the controller just <laughs> due to sheer strength. It's like uh, it's like anytime like it's like um, it's like somebody who is far too strong smashing things on accident. Is what it's like. I'm bad with metaphors. You're just basically saying you're a destructive animal and you shouldn't be yeah. set loose. Yeah, I can't control myself. What can, what can I say? Everything, yeah, it, every, it everything takes I touch falls to pieces. Finely tuned reflexes to finally defeat the hidden Thumerian Queen Yarnum in the final chalice dungeon. It takes yeah. a lot. I don't have I, that. And I fucking did it. I don't have that. I don't have that my I don't have that my repertoire. I, I can't play games where I have to move the camera along with me. <laughs> You know oh, what I mean? You silly, silly rube. Okay. All right. So my number five is a little bit esoteric. So mm. bear with me on this. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately and thinking about kind of like what it means to get old and to like have people in your life and how people stay and how people go. And now that Joey Jordanson's dead, I'm having a really hard time. So but I, <laughs> I fuck just, you. I so so <sighs> my number five though is something that's taken a long time to get to where it's at, mm. and I have just like there just it, every now and again I just have this appreciation for it. And um, my number five is being your friend, Mikey. What am I supposed to say to that? What, 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 what am I supposed to say to that? I just, I just want, just go ahead and roast, roast me as I go through this. I would love no, to see all, because I'm going to say a bunch of nice shit about you. So, fine. here's what, here's the thing. I was thinking about this, and I was just like, you know, I've known you for 20 years now. Yeah, it's and it's accurate. It's like literally 20 years. And so um, I've known you more than half my life. I was thinking about that. I've known you literally more than half my life. And it's kind of nuts and dumb and I don't like it. Um, I think part of it is that we're just like, just we don't have anybody else to talk to about things. Uh, we don't have any other friends. Um, no, but I think I think legitimately it's one of those things where it's like, it's just as you... 
there are studies that show that like men as they get older have less and less friends and and men are just like just lonely old creatures in general like they just don't have any like actual friends and i just appreciate the fact that like we have gone so long and like have been friends and never say anything nice to each other like ever um and that's like our term of endearment like for those of you who can't see he's giving me a middle finger and moved it off camera just a little bit so you can just see just the tip of the finger like this just, mikey can you see that just, just a little fit of head just a little and it's stupid shit like that we laugh at stupid shit like we're both adults with like real ass jobs and we laugh at stupid shit like like and just i don't know i just really have uh come to appreciate it finally and i know it's a fleeting moment where i will not appreciate this in like the next hour <laughs> but i just have learned to appreciate you as a friend so much more over the last like few years like i mean you were there like when i was dealing with all the shit with riley and like all i mean and all the stuff and i just i don't know i just don't tell you enough that i appreciate being your friend so that's my number five it's just i i like being your friend <sighs> well i appreciate that yeah and i like being your friend too yeah that's nice <laughs> i mean i did put it at number five so there are four <laughs> other things that beat this out <laughs> it should be no other way yeah no, but all, i mean get, when you hear my next ones you're gonna be like oh those beat those beat that out yeah i just i know that you know if if something if something in my life, if I need help with something, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about just talking about something. I know I can always go to you. And I always appreciate that because I'm a type of person that, you know, I, I know what to do. Like in certain things, when, when, when life throws you a curveball, and most of the time I do it, but there's just, there's sometimes when like, I just want to hear it. And yeah. I know, I know that we're on the same wavelength and I know that you've always got good advice for me. I know you'd never lead me, lead me astray. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I feel, I feel the same way about Matt. Um, it's, it's just, you know, you guys have been there in my life since uh, I was a fucking teenager. Just yeah. about. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Fuck um, you. Yeah. Don't fuck, fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> Just so you have a heads up, my audacity crashed. <laughs> you were my worst friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's back. Good, we're recording. So if it crashes again, we're just going to have to use the Zoom audio. Uh, yeah, no, nope, it crashed again. So. All right, we'll just use the Zoom audio. It'll be fine. my number four i've chosen an album and that album is entitled stand for something or die for nothing and the band that played that album is a band called street dogs oh yeah this is the street dogs latest record it says on the wikipedia page because it's the only place i saw it but it says it's their sixth and final album which would upset me very greatly because i love this fucking band and i always have um stand for something or die for nothing came out on my birthday 2018 june 22nd hell yeah yeah and um it had been eight years since the self-titled street street dogs record which was fucking great um and it was their first on century media they had put out records on i think hellcat 
if I'm not mistaken. That sounds about right. I think they were on Hellcat. I could be wrong. That's that's the Dropkick Murphys. I could be wrong, but it, it doesn't really matter. This is their first for Century Media, which is weird because Century Media is primarily like a metal label. But um, for anyone who doesn't know, the band The Street Dogs is comprised of the original vocalist of the Dropkick Murphys, Mike McCoolgan. So you'll recognize his voice if you know Do or Die or The Gang's All Here. And um, I believe it's the drummer from the Boss Tones was in it for a long time. And they've, they've had a host of different dudes in the band. And they've done um, six full lengths. And when I say they're all amazing... I am not lying. All right. Seven Hill. Not exaggerating. Seven Hill 2003. Back to the World 2005. That one is a classic. Fading American Dream 2006. State of Grace in 08. Street Dogs in 2010. And then Stand for Something or Die for Nothing 2018. Not a bad song in the bunch. A lot of good. And it's not Irish punk, you know, like the Dropkicks. Yeah, it's working class punk. It's working class punk. I'd say it's like Boston punk. You know, it's uh, it's real melodic. They have a great sense of melody. They're amazing songwriters. I mean, just I, I, they, sometimes they put folk music into it, but it's not very often. They just they have a lot of just driving great songs with amazing choruses. So yeah, all the cool Boston firefighters like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So stand for something, die for nothing. And I'm just now reading this actually. <laughs> the street dogs officially disbanded in 2020 why would they do that i don't know they were so good man they were such a great fucking band god damn it i did get to see them i did get to see them at least okay anyway so this is it's 11 songs and huh? you know if you liked any of their other records you'll love this one one of the coolest things on it though they kind of get into almost like a classic rock territory on like the last three tracks. I'm not sure if that was like, if they were conscious of that or not, but it's not bad. And a lot of the songs like the comeback zone, the title track, um, you know, working class heroes, the roundup, they're just like street dogs, classics. Mm -hmm. There is a song called angels calling that it's kind of a darker sounding song. It's really driving and slain the Boston MC, he, you know, who's done movies and stuff. Like he's, he's like friends with Ben Affleck and shit. Yeah. yeah. Slain does a whole verse on angels calling. And it's great. Cause it's a punk song, but he's like, kind of like really spitting over it. And, and it's, it's a, it's a great song. I love it. So at any rate, you know, if you want to listen to songs about, you know, unity and uh, you know, not, not, uh, not kowtowing to the powers that be, the street dogs got you covered. Stand for something okay. and die for nothing is a perfect punk rock record. And it just kills me that it's their last, but that's my number four. Okay. That's that's I mean, I'm sorry that happened to you, but um Yeah, you know, they did it to me. They they did it they to did. me. They did that on purpose. They were like, ah, fuck this guy. <laughs> so they said they say, ah, fuck this guy. Um ah, fuck this guy. Okay, so my number four is also my record of the list, but it's actually four EPs. It's not just one record. You always okay. have to, you, you know, you, you always have to do something, don't you? I, what did I do? You just, you know, you're never happy with what you got. You got you to gotta <laughs> mess, mess with things. So uh, basically, so the other, so the other day when we were at, when we were at Park Ave, yeah. uh, you pointed at the, you pointed at the Dave Haas EP that was like the Dillinger, 
four covers that you're like, oh, that's cool. Yes. And then that's all you said about it. And we never even talked about it. Mm. So after that, I went back and I started listening to some Dave Haas stuff. And I went back to these uh, EPs that he put out. It was like the very first couple things that he put out. And so in 2012, he put out four EPs on different record labels. And basically what he did was he put out a bunch of solo stuff. And then he did covers of bands on that label. Mm. So every EP has a couple a uh, couple covers. And I personally like hearing covers of bands when they're done well. And I think Dave Haas is a great enough musician that he can do that. So on the first EP, he put it out. It's called Time Will Tell. Um, and it was put out on Chunk Saw Records. So, yeah, Souls. Yeah, so he covers Ghosts on the Boardwalk. Ooh. <laughs> it's a good that's a good fucking song that's a great song man that song chokes me up man i used yeah. to listen to it i used to listen to it in richmond all the time as it made me think of daytona yeah yeah it's a good one it's a good one it's a really fucking good one it's a um, good one it's a fucking good one it's a, it's a song it's a song when i hear it, it makes me say fuck yeah fuck yeah fuck yeah um then the second ep is called pray for tucson so just to be clear there's a bunch of songs on his that he ended up putting on his first full length called resolutions. Um, so pray for Tucson years from now are songs that he, that he actually played. This one came out on bridge nine and mm. he covered first will and Testament by strike anywhere. Oh, right. Right. right, 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 right. He had a song called years from now. He has a song called years from now. He owes mm-hmm. us money. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> uh, so then he on the third one, it's called Heavy Heart, and uh, I don't know who he's covering on this one. Um, the songs are called Heavy Heart, Rankers and Rotters, uh, Skips a Beat Over You, and Psalm. Ranks and Rankers and Rotters is a curse song. Okay, so he covers his own stuff on it too. Yes, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is the Come On Kid EP. Um, and he covers the songs on it are come on kid. It's a different version of the song. Come on kid. Um, the song Prague, a song called joining the army and a little ditty by a band called none more black called. Oh, there's legwork. Oh, that's cool. Oh, there's legwork. It's a good song. Yeah, it's a great song. So, yeah. um, you know, this guy has a penchant for doing covers. Like we talked about, like he did the, he did a whole EP of like just Dillinger four covers, um, f- which are fucking awesome. And then, um, he did another, uh, it was called Patty and Patty. Um, mm-hmm. the other Patty, I can't remember what it's, but it's another, like, uh, another singer songwriter that was influential to him. Um, so anyway, there's just a fun few listens where it's like, kind of like this neat little, like, Oh, this is where he was and how far he's come. Um, and I'm so excited because he just announced his next full length. Uh, and, and the last full length kick was so fucking good that I, I can't wait for this next one. So loved ones are no more. Uh, so loved ones are essentially no more. Yeah. Bah. Yeah, I know. I know it's a bummer, but, uh, but I mean, bury me in Philly and kick are phenomenal full length records. And they're definitely more like, they're more rock and roll. Mm-hmm. So like, if you like later loved ones, like if you like the distractions EP, you might, or like, even if you like Bridget, like build and burn, like you can get a feel for what that sounds like on these ones. Well, I mean, he's, he's from Philly, man. He's, he's close to Jersey. He's got a little bit of that Springsteen in him. Yeah. And he kills it. He's great. He's great. great. He's great.
for my number three. Um, another little personal kind of accomplishment thing I never done before. Um, about a month ago. Well, let me back up. So I put out a, a true crime podcast called Wasteland about a huh? m- in May, some, sometime in May. And you can follow me on Instagram at Wasteland Pod. Uh, I, n- I never put anything up, but I am there. So, yes, that's true. Um, and, I, and I do have some plans for like a little, some special episodes coming up. So I will put on there what I'm doing. But at any rate, so Wasteland was all about, and I, and I talked about it on here before, so I'm not going to talk about it too much, but it was a Floridian true crime podcast, which is to say that I took several, I took six Florida crimes, well, six episodes, there were multiple crimes in each, some of them. And I kind of looked at it through the eyes of a Floridian, you know, and it was sort of like I was telling the story of somebody who lives here and kind of including Daytona and Florida in it as a character that kind of colored the proceedings, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. which sounds, it sounds a bit pretentious, but that's what I tried to do. I tried to be very literary about it, but at any rate, there was one crime and I'm not going to talk too much about it because this is an idea that it, I, I feel like ideas are precious and I don't want to tip my hand, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was researching what I wanted to use for the podcast. And it took me a really long time to do it, right? And I decided like, oh, I want to do the Costa Fotopolis murder for hire scandal. I want to do the Austin Haruf um, cannibalism thing. I want to do this. I want to do that. There's one thing that came up. And oddly enough, my mom's the one who told me about it yeah and she goes did you ever hear about this occult ritual murder that happened in daytona in the 70s and like i was i was over visiting my parents and like whatever was in my hand i dropped i'm like "Uh, uh, 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 what'd you say so there was something that happened here in the 70s on the beach side. I'm yeah. Not gonna, I'm, not, I'm not telling people what, because my whole point here is what I'm getting to is I'm trying to, I'm going to be telling you what soon enough. Something that had occult overtones happened. Um, there was a murder and it was in the early 70s. Yeah. And it took place against the backdrop of Daytona, just like these stories I was trying to tell. Uh, boardwalk main street that whole scene especially back in the 70s from what i hear it was wild right but i couldn't find anything on it i I found a couple of news articles that was it okay so it kind of went out of my mind and about a month ago i went by local establishment abraxas books which Mm -hmm. if you're if you're into punk and you're into like uh weird shit just being alty whatever you probably know about Abraxas because the guy who runs it, Jim Sass, is the ultimate like alty dude. Like he's the ultimate dude who does not conform. That's I've, true. I've known Jim since I was born. My mom knew him, and my dad was his teacher. And my mom used to go into his old bookstore, Mandala or Mandala, and then Jim got his new bookstore. Jim only worked at Mandala. He didn't. Uh, he didn't own it. Right. And you go in there and Jim's like a book wizard. You know, he looks like a character out of Harry Potter, except he, he was... straight up looks like a wizard. Yeah, but he looks like a fucking metal wizard. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, this dude looks like 
uh, I mean, he looks like he played at death metal in the eighties in Florida. He's, he's the wizard that Jack Black sings as in that probot song. Yeah. He will, he will fuck your life up. So now, as I said, I've known Jim for a long time. And so, you know, we, we don't like catch up all the time, but like, we'll, we'll talk when I see him. You're like, Hey, how are you? He's like, Oh, good. How's your mom? You know? And I'm always in there buying like, you know, I'll buy like a book of short stories or some horror stories or some true, true crime shit. But there's something about this day. I mentioned it to him, this particular crime that happened and he starts throwing stuff at me. He's just like, Boom, boom. Oh, this happened. This happened. Did you hear about this? You got to talk to this person. Bam, 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 bam. And before I knew it, I was like, oh my God. Like I have this, I have this thing that nobody has, has fucking really done anything about. Yeah. So I got in my car. I went to the library. I went right to, I renewed my card, went right to the microfiche and I started looking. I found I filled a binder with articles on this thing because not only is it about this murder that happened, but there is something in the background there is something larger there is an institution that i believe plays a part Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. my speculation so as i'm going through all these articles feeling like i'm fucking russ cole i I say i gotta i i I don't know if this could be a podcast i don't know what this could be i call chris our friend chris tharp friend of the show yeah 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 yeah, for the show i say chris i think i have a documentary here and he's like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, <laughs> as I'm telling him things. So basically where I'm at right now is I have this kind of unique thing that happened and it was awful. I'm not saying it was a good thing. I have my theories about it. There are, there are themes around it. There are institutions around it. And I am trying, I'm going to be trying to make a documentary in the coming years alongside Chris. Um, cause Chris is the filmmaker. I'm not, I'm the narrative guy. Hell yeah. But, and I'm not trying to be coy. I just don't want to tip my hand. The thing that I thought was really cool about this is, you know, I started researching at the library and compiling everything. And then I found the prosecuting attorney who prosecuted the, the perpetrators of the crime back in the seventies. I got a fucking interview with him. Mm-hmm. And I went to his office and we talked about this 50 year old murder and it was wild, man. Like it was wild to talk to this guy. He was telling me all this crazy shit. And, and it just, it made me feel like I was a fucking journalist. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't believe it. So that, that felt really accomplished. It, it was kind of like a preliminary interview. We're going to talk to him down the road with an actual camera, hopefully. Right. Right. But the, here's the coup de grace. I found out the victim of this crime is alive. No, (laughs) (laughs) he's very dead. Unfortunately, I found out he lived with and was friends with a friend of my family. Oh, shit. Who I knew growing up. Where do you think that guy is right now? Dead in prison right here at Tomoka Correctional. I sent him a letter. I'm waiting to hear what he says because he can shed so much light on this person and the institution and everything else. So I guess my number three is that like, I feel pretty accomplished because I'm doing like journalism 
trying to get this documentary in the beginning stages. We're in the preliminary stages. We haven't done much yet, but I'm compiling information. I got this fucking huge binder of crazy articles. Like I'll show it to you. Like the details of the crime wild. So obviously I'm going to keep people updated, whatever this thing happens to become, but um, it trumped my idea for a documentary on the flea market. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's much better than your documentary on the flea market. But that still is in the is that's still up here rolling around. So that's mine. If you take it, motherfuckers, I'll kill you. So anyway, unnamed documentary. I know I didn't give you too many details, but I think that we can do something really cool with this. And I'm hoping that's what happens. Yeah, I uh, I'm fully in for it. Like that's gonna be rad. I, I'm so stoked. So I know some of the details myself, but I'm not gonna give them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because fuck you. That's why. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. I'm going to bring it down a little bit. Okay. Um, so my number three um, is actually kind of like a, like an experience that I had. Okay. So we mentioned on the show last week on Saturday, why we didn't record last week. Um, and it was because uh, part of it was cause I, my dog died and that was not great. Um, so rest in peace, Bella. Uh, may you snort in heaven or rest wherever it is you are. Um, so that was a really kind of wild, crazy day and I'm, I'm still kind of bummed about it, but I have to say there's something really special about people who know how to manage grief and handle grief and handle grieving people. And it's a power that I don't have. Like I've thought about this and like, Oh, like I could work in hospice. Nope. Cannot do that. Um, I'm simply too callous to do that. Um, You've helped me through some shit over the years, man. Uh, sure but like i mean there's also that level of like there's like i I don't know i just think it's like i like to deal with it all the time seems like it would be a lot yeah so so i have to say though um and this is the most florida fucking thing on the planet and i just appreciate this so much so my number three is a local establishment called all god's creatures crematory oh is this the crematorium we talked about yes Ah. so let me let me give you let me get like so like let me give you some some let me i want to i want to paint a picture for you okay okay so when i worked at this other agency providing services we had an office behind an actual human crematorium right so um so you would like see a hearse pull up and it would leave and you knew that somebody was getting roasted it was like that, that place was in full roast mode that just makes me think of Ernie from Return of the Living Dead. Just listening to Wagner while he's embalming a corpse that comes back to life. God, it's horrible. Yeah. I, you know, it makes me think of uh, the burbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so the, anyway, that's what you think of. You think of like a business that's in a, a, a proper city. Yeah. And all of that. Well, come to find out that many times when you have a uh, an animal crematorium, they often toss all of the animals into the same furnace. So what ends up it's happening terrible. is it's horrible. So what ends up happening is you get ashes from your neighbor's dog and their neighbor's dog and the cat and maybe an armadillo. You don't know because it's Florida. <sighs> so um, obviously I care about my animals and I want, and, and, and we have gone, apparently this is like a, a place that my parent, my parents have gone for years. They've gone to this place. Um, my mom specifically described it as, I know a place, um, the woman that runs, it's a witch. <laughs> like, it, like she described it like that, like an actual, like an actual witch. So 
I have a feeling about uh, this place because essentially it's out in Samsula, which means that there's like, it's possible that they're out on county property, which means they can probably get away with having a crematorium on site at their house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. So I drive out past the flea market uh, about five miles past the flea market. There you go. Turn onto a dirt road, which is not the dirt road. Turn mm. down another dirt road, uh, and you have to make an appointment to be like, "Hey, I'm going to go drop off um, this body." Uh, so, like, uh, so, like, I'm driving. This is just a crazy thing. Like, this has never happened to me in my life. I'm driving down this dirt road with a dog, or former dog, like <sighs> wrapped up in a blanket, um, and and like, and so she's all wrapped up in this blanket. So, like, driving, da da da, drive down this dirt road, drive down another dirt road, drive down another dirt road, turn into a dirt parking lot. And then drive down a dirt driveway uh, to this guy's house and then walk up to this like house in the back, fill out like a couple of bits of paperwork and drop off this former dog and um, and leave Bella with this guy. And he was like so kind and so nice. Um, and then he's like, OK, so you can come pick up her remains on Monday. Like he's like super sweet. So sorry for your loss. Da, 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 da. Um, and then come Monday, I have to go pick her up. Mm hmm. So pull up to the gate. The gate is locked. I'm like, well, shit. How am I supposed to get? How am I supposed to get these ashes? Um, and uh, and he walks. He walks her ashes out to me from his house. I didn't pull onto the property. Um, and it came in like a little treasure chest. And a treasure uh, chest. It's like a little treasure chest. Yeah, it's a little like little like nice little like ornate box. Okay. Um, so it's very like it's very sweet. My thing is though is like th- this place. What you know about this place is they 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 cremate your animal by themselves. Like you can guarantee that they do that by themselves. Like they yeah. they specifically like that's like a, it's a whole thing. So um so I just really appreciate this place exists for people who are like pet lovers and pet owners and. Uh, it's just nice to have that little peace of mind, I guess. Yeah. When you told me the other day that they just throw them all in the oven together, it's just like, Jesus Christ, that's like some mangala shit, man. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not my favorite thought. So, um, but anyway, it was, it was a nice thought. And now there's like a little shrine and a, and a candle, a memorial candle in the, in the house for Bella. And um, it's uh, yeah. So we have our home. So it's nice. How much was it to cremate the dog? It was like 200 bucks. Oh, okay. It's affordable. Yeah. I mean, my parents did that for Buster and Odie and for Walter. So they have all three yeah. of theirs. My parents had done that for every dog they ever had. So yeah, I mean, I hope they do that for me. I hope my parents do that for me when I die. <laughs> Take me to all God's creatures. Just be like, just like when you when they bring me, I want them to carry me up and be like, Yeah, this was our great day that we had for 80 years. He was he, hairless. He looks vaguely human. No, we know, but he's no, not. We know. And he was very strange. <laughs> it's like Frank from Always Sunny. He's like, that body's just a piece of trash. When I die, just, just don't mean to trash. <laughs> That's I, I want my parents to explain. Like, and this is also assuming that I die before my parents, but like, uh, like to so having them have to deal with that. It's like, we taught him to speak. And whenever we would say speak, he'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> Who gave oh me the gift God. of consciousness? They would, I mean, they to, to cremate your remains in, in a in a in like an animal's crematorium, they'd have to drop a fucking atom bomb on it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just imagine that like it's like the only way to cremate me would be to drop me in a vat of molten steel, like in the end of Terminator Two. Like that's the only way you're gonna get rid of my remains. Did you you do a little teeny little middle finger <laughs> instead of the thumbs up? Just like this, like uh oh. <laughs> I, I wish I wish it was that cool. It would be like I would be like as soon as I touch it, I'd be like hot, 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 hot. <laughs> Oh well, <laughs> I am sorry for your loss. Bella was a cool dog. I mean, she was she was pretty cool. She stunk a lot. Her breath smelled really bad. She had snaggle teeth and she shat on the floor a lot, like a whole lot. But she was she was lovable. She was lovable, but she would also like you would fall in love with her, and then she would do this thing where like she would like have like mucusy shit where she would shit blood and stuff all over like like trails like drop like little puddles all over the floor. Okay, so all right, all right. She was not well. She was also like twenty years old. She was not well. No, she was mentally ill. So for my number two, I finished watching The Wire and just a little caveat for everybody else. The reason it took me so long is because I didn't want it to be over. That makes sense. So that is my number two, finishing The Wire, and why you, if you have not watched it, or you have not finished it, should immediately stop watching whatever you're putting in your eyes and watch The Wire. Okay, okay, okay. So you've never seen The Wire, have you? No, I don't watch shows like that. Okay, so The Wire is an HBO show. It is often, I remember the first time I heard about it, because as I've said before, when we talked about the Sopranos, which yes, Sopranos are awesome. The wire is better. It's like, it's like getting, it's like getting extra credit. It's like you, you, the Sopranos is when you get a hundred percent on the test. The wire is when you do the extra credit question and you get 103%. Okay. 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 I got you. I got you. So as I said before, I didn't have HBO when I was a kid. I was really deprived. (gasps) I just watched TV land. Scrambled porn, but (laughs) (laughs) but when I finally got when I when I finally got streaming, I was just like, holy shit, I gotta watch the wire because when Breaking Bad was going on, every fucking review, every person said Breaking Bad is the best show since The Wire and The Sopranos. Gotcha. It's it's a little more Breaking Bad's a little more similar to The Sopranos, where you have a guy who's like kind of a family man who has the alternate life, but The Wire is something else entirely. And I didn't understand what it was. I was like, The Wire? I got it mixed up with like Man on a Wire or some shit. So Dude, the man, wire, man on Fire. You got mixed up with Man on Fire. <laughs> I mean, Man on Fire is a great fucking movie, but so The Wire is ostensibly a crime drama, and it is set. It is. It is irrevocable. Like there is no way this story could have been told in any other city in the world except for Baltimore, Maryland. Uh That is where it is set. Or Bodymore, Murderland, if you want to go with the way that some of the dudes on the corner talk. Yeah, yeah. Basically, what it is, is it is a massive sweeping story that you have to watch every season 
in order to completely take the story in. At any point, there's 25 different plot lines going on. And what I noticed as, you know, because because it's like each scene is like a minute and then they go to the next thing. It's fast. Like it's a show that like you have to pay attention. And that was one of the, I believe, the tagline for the first or second season. It said, pay attention. It's literally telling you like, hey, hey fucking pay attention because you're not going to understand this right so what the wire does is it follows like roughly five different subjects that all sort of overlap each other it follows the illegal drug trade the port system the city government and bureaucracy which includes the police department Mm -hmm. education in schools and the print news so Every season, a new layer is added. So the first season, I would say the first season is usually everybody's favorite because you meet the characters that you're going to follow for the next five seasons. You meet right. McNulty, you meet the bunk, you meet uh, you meet Kima, you meet uh, Omar, you meet Avon and Stringer and all the rest of them. And it's mostly about the cops who are trying to bust this big criminal organization. So the wire, the titular wire comes from every season somehow this group of cops that you're kind of following they managed to get permission to run a wire on whatever criminal organization it is they're investigating right and they use that to to help take it down but here's the rub the wire it's like it is it is a a tapestry of social commentary. It's not just cops and robbers. It's not just like crooked politicians. It's everything. It shows you how a modern American city works or doesn't work because there is so much laziness and corruption in our society. It, it just, it boggles the fucking mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I what I say when people ask me like why I don't give, really give a shit about politics or this or that or the other, I say it's not that I don't really give a shit. Like I've seen Veep, which was you. I mean Veep was written using people who work in Washington. They were consulted. Mm-hmm. I've right. seen I've seen House of Cards, which of course is a bit. It's a bit fictionalized and a bit not. It's not very realistic. But now I can say I've seen the fucking Wire, dude. What what you see is. When in season two, when um, a group of Russian prostitutes are shipped to the Baltimore port in a shipping container and somehow their ventilation gets hammered shut and they've got like 17 bodies in this container, which what I never realized is the cop who finds that. Now they take that they basically take on those bodies and that goes against the the police department's clearance rate. And what do the higher ups want? What does the mayor want? What does the police chief want? They want to be in the black, not in the red. And when you've got 14 dead hookers in a, in a container, you're in the red, which is no good because then there's money and then there's public perception. There's this and there's that. There's so many moments like that in the wire where you're just like, I never fucking realized that's what it is. But I work in the school system. I see bureaucracy up close. You see how everything's a mess and nothing fucking works. It's the same with the cops. It's the same with the mayor's office. It's the same with everything. And yeah. even, though, even though it sounds bleak, the wire is such an excellent show and it shows you how our society is failing it shows you how 
the cops don't get what they need, but then the cops do something fucked up. It shows how the 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 polit- the politicians don't give a fuck about anybody, and, and you end up relating more to the goddamn uh, drug dealers than anybody. But mm-hmm. at any rate, there's five seasons of The Wire. And you got to watch all five. The show started in 02, ended in 08. So it's slightly dated, maybe. It's as dated as The Sopranos. Anyone who gets hung up on that shouldn't watch a show like that in the first place anyway. So I would highly recommend it to everybody. It starts kind of slow. I was in I was in immediately. But then in season one, when Omar showed up. I hear everybody likes Omar. Basically, Omar is... He is, he's the fly in the ointment. Omar robs drug dealers. Omar doesn't, hell yeah. He doesn't fuck with civilians. He doesn't fuck with the cops. He just robs drug dealers. He comes on, he comes on the street. He comes on the block wearing a trench coat with a bulletproof vest, a do rag. And he's played by um, uh, Michael K. Williams. Yeah. So he's got a big scar across his face. He's got a double barrel shotgun and he whistles a hunting. We will go as he comes on the block. And everybody just goes, Omar coming. They start running. <laughs> and it gets to the point, it gets to the point in like season three or season four where all he has to do is whistle and they just drop the drugs out of the out of the tenement building and he just takes them. Hell yeah. So at any rate, there's there's great characters in the wire. I mean, McNulty, the bunk, Lester, fucking Omar. There's so many. If you've never seen the show, you got to see it. The title sequence for each season is also amazing. I think it, I think it really started that trend of HBO having amazing title sequences for every one of their shows. It's a Tom Waits song called Down in the Hole, but every season a different group or a different singer does it. And it's cut yeah. with all these scenes of like what you're going to see this season. So you see the cops, you see the drugs, you see everything, you know, but it was such a, it was an educational experience for me, but it was also one of the best things I've ever fucking watched. And I'm so sad it's over. And the, <laughs> the last one in the last episode, the montage where they pick, where they show you what happened to everybody, what happened to bubbles, what happened to Kima. It's just like, like they do this fake wake for McNulty. Who's an Irish cop. He's not dead, but they do a fake wake and they play this song called the body of an American by the Pogues. Uh-huh. And it's such a moving scene. It's really funny. And everyone's toasting and cheering and talking about what it is to be real police. And this song is playing in the background. And it's it's a song that like is very moving to me so much yeah. so that I've been listening to it quite a lot lately. But yeah, at any rate, The Wire's on HBO now. I, I actually have all the DVD box sets because I never want to be without it. It is a great show. It's better than The Sopranos, and I love the fucking Sopranos. Everyone should watch it. Okay, I like that. I like that. <clears throat> I, uh, you know, I like. I do like good, like crime, like like dirty street level crime shows. Like one of my favorite shows ever, and it only got one season. Was the Black Donnellys? Yeah, I heard that was good. It was fucking great. Was it was fucking great. It was uh, yeah. it was the it was the like it had so many good people in it, but it was about these four brothers who were like uh, just like Irish troublemakers, and they just got in bad with a bunch of people. Like they got in bad with the Irish mob and the Italian mob and all that. And and the guy that ran the Irish mob, I believe, was the villain from The Mask. <laughs> but he's so fucking good and he's so mean. Like he wasn't wearing the mask, so don't worry. He wasn't like wearing the mask like and being evil. Like it was like that yeah, guy yeah. though. 
No, no. I mean, as far as crime dramas go, what I hear is the shield as well. And that's, I've seen a couple episodes of it. I'm going to walk, get around to finishing it one day, but I'm watching sons of anarchy right now, which I love, but which is kind of goofy, but um, the wire is without peer. David Simon, the guy who created it, and Ed Burns, the guy who I believe helped him write it. Um, David Simon's a genius, and Ed Burns was a cop in Baltimore and a teacher. And the shit that they show in season four when they get to the school system, it's like, holy shit, dude, I've, I've seen every single thing that they're showing me right now. Yeah. I've dealt with it. I've dealt with a classroom just like that. I, I think I did better than Prez Belusky did when he was a teacher in the show, but still, it's so relatable. Right, right, right. For sure. Yeah. Well, it's on my list. All right. All right. My number two is a video game. These don't make my list very often, but this is a video game. And it's very high up on my list. It's actually above our friendship. <laughs> so. <laughs> You're a real bastard. So do you have any guesses of what this video game might be? Uh, Tony Hawk. It's Tony Hawk. <laughs> it finally came out for Switch, right? It finally came out for Switch. And let me tell you, there man, you it is so fucking good. It is so fucking good. I love it. Like, I love it. It's, I love it so much. Here's the thing. So I grew up in, a, in, a, in an era where we got that first Tony Hawk demo and we played it until the wheels fell off. Like we played it so fucking much that like it was always like, can I get 100,000 points on this level where I can't even do a manual? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let me say something though. This upgrade, because this is a fucking upgrade. Yes. Um, it looks so good. Like it looks beautiful. But my favorite thing is that you can manual in all the original levels. Yeah, because you couldn't manual in the first one, could you? Nope, you couldn't manual in the first game, but you can manual in the second game. Yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, yeah, no, it's it's awesome, man. They Dude. the upgrades they gave it were, were phenomenal. Oh, it's so good. So on top of having the original skaters from like the first from the first Tony Hawk, they and they, you know, and they and they, in the second one, you know, they added um uh you know Roddy Mullen and Chad Muska and all that. Um, they also added a bunch of characters like Lizzie Armanto, Leo Baker, Letitia Buffoni. I have no idea who those people are, but they were yeah. like newer skaters, Shane O'Neill, uh Tyshawn Jones. Um, but what is really cool, and I think this is really interesting, is they added Riley Hawk. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony Hawk made a game when he was younger, made all <laughs> this money on it, and he, and he made so much money on it that he made a remake of the game and put his own kid in it. I fucking love that, dude. He's that game made him, I think, more money just like in his first royalty check than like almost his entire career. Like it's made him like almost a billionaire. Yeah. Well, here's what's crazy about this 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 version, Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two is it sold more copies in its first week than any other game in the Tony Hawk franchise. It sold a million <laughs> copies in two weeks. It's because of people like us who play the originals who now are like trying to recapture our youth. Ah, it's so good. The, <laughs> the best thing is like when you immediately, when it goes to the start screen and it shows like somebody kicking off their skateboard in the fucking Minneapolis level or whatever that, it, it starts playing um, the Goldfinger song. It starts playing yeah. Superman. Like yeah, yeah. immediately you hear you're like, doo, 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 and you're like, ah, oh, I love it. 
I love it. The best part, though, is they did a bunch of upgrades. Like I said, like all the levels look nice. They added different like tasks in the levels. So now there's like different like accomplishments that you can achieve in every level. You can create your own skater. So my skater looks like a knuckle dragging Bigfoot that's skateboarding everywhere. <laughs> um, they they have some secret characters. They could only get a couple. Um, so there's the Roswell alien. I remember the alien. Yep, they've got Ripper, which is a new one. It's the um, the the Powell Peralta logo, uh, the mascot. So they've got that, and they've got Officer Dick. Yeah, it was it was Jack Black, right? It, it, for this one, it's Jack Black. It's his model <laughs> and his voice. So they got Jack Black to model and voice this the secret character. <laughs> now, I just it just it, it, when you start playing, I didn't play the second one a whole lot. Like I think I played the first one a whole lot, and then I got the fourth one later, and then I was like really into Underground and um and uh, like those American Wasteland. I thought those were a fucking blast because they got so ridiculous. Um, but I loved this game so much, and they did such a good job with this yeah. remaster. They really did. I mean, the soundtrack is it has all the old songs. They updated a bunch of songs on it, so there's a bunch of like new songs like. I want to say Teenage Bottle Rockets on there. Um, there's a couple of bands that are like that. You like they're more recent. That you're like cool. So um, I just I just can't say enough good stuff about it. So I've already beat the first game. Um, my my skater's on to the second game, and I'm finishing those levels. And you forget like how hard the fucking competitions are. Yeah, <laughs> I suck at the competition. God, like you forget like because you have to nail it. You have to be perfect on yeah. all of those. Um, so. So I had to make my character and I had to make his custom, like his, like his, you know, specials and all that. So, uh, I do, uh, a coffin, the, the coffin, co- let's say, I forget what it is. It's like a coffin grab or something like that. Where yeah, he just lays yeah. down on a skateboard. Um, yeah. uh, the pizza, the pizza man where he takes a skateboard and flips it like a pizza. It's so fucking ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> um, but it's so much fun, man. Like, and, and I just, it just made me like, it's just such a nice thing. That I don't have to think about anything. I can just like, kind of just appreciate this thing. That's like from my childhood. That is just literally the most fun. So yeah, that's my I, number two. I, I picked up the PS4 one a while back. I haven't, I haven't played it too much lately, but I, I feel like I want to break it out again, man. It's, I keep seeing it on my like my list of games as I scroll through and like it's I mean I spent so much time with one and two when I was younger but it was funny because I was never good at them when I was younger because I was playing them as a skater not as like a gamer uh-huh. I would do like realistic tricks <laughs> I'd be like oh I bet I could do that that that's that's pretty sweet man but like now you know I, I to to progress at the game at all you have to be completely out of your fucking mind but yeah that's... you have to literally manual yeah. my favorite thing is like discovering and i was i was teaching ethan this because i was teaching ethan to play it's like when you're grinding you have to balance but if you double tap any of the buttons you change your grind in the middle of the grind like yeah, if you're yeah. manually you change your manual in the middle of the manual and it looks insane you can get like a 30 combo like a 30 trick combo in like two seconds because you're, you know so I just, anyway i just remember way back six street house somebody had a ps1 or a ps2 matt or Derek, probably matt and we had it and i remember lee they left it on they put the perfect balance code on and they had the, <laughs> they had the skater grinding in a circle i forget who it was just uh-huh. grinding in a circle for like three days straight to see if they could like flip the fucking score. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what happened, but I just, I remember going over to the sixth street house when I was, when I was fucking like 
you know, 17, 18, 19, and just like sitting down on a pile of trash and playing Tony Hawk. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> it's so much fucking fun, man. Yeah, man, it's fun. So, all right. Well, does yeah. that bring us to number ones? Number one. Number one. Oh. For my number one, I have chosen an author. Oh, this author <clears throat> he was born in Detroit in 1953. Mm. You wouldn't think he'd have anything to, to say to someone like me. But this author, his name is Thomas Legati. Hmm. What kind it of sounds... books do you think Thomas Legati writes? Um, I believe that he would write um, cookbooks. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> hey, Tommy Legati, I got my, uh, I got all my, I got all my cookbooks here. No. Ah, you want a good fajoule? Actually, Thomas Legati is a horror writer. He is. I would say probably the heir apparent to the throne of Lovecraft. Oh, so like hates anybody with melanin. He's not a racist. Okay, that's good. That I know of. But um, the thing about Thomas Ligotti is this isn't Stephen King, and I love Stephen King, but we've talked about our love for Lovecraft and, and the cosmic horror and the and the way that like, you know, just just the the unknowable things in Lovecraft stories and then like Robert E. Howard and August Derleth and all the rest of those people that were in the Cthulhu circle. Yeah. But Thomas Ligotti is like the modern incarnation of that. It's he kind of writes what is known as philosophical horror. Okay. He's very pessimistic. He's very nihilistic, so much so that his writing influenced Nick Piz- uh, Pizzolatto to create Russ Cole in True Detective the way that he created him. Okay. And there was a lot of cosmic horror uh, nods in True Detective anyway. The Yellow King, you know, Robert, uh, what the fuck's his name? Chambers. You know, the Yellow King, those stories actually kind of suck, but the the Yellow King was adopted by Lovecraft and the rest of those people, and they would use him in different stories. Yeah. But Thomas Ligotti has this really strange way of writing prose and i'm really into it a lot of like a long time ago i had first found out about him when i found out about lovecraft probably in high school i don't don't remember when i really started reading lovecraft but you couldn't get his books they were like most of them were out of print and the ones that were around were super expensive and he's written um he's written a couple of uh well not a couple he mostly writes short stories he's written um a collection of novellas He's written mostly just short story collections, but they were really hard to get your hands on. Songs of a Dead Dreamer was his first one. Grim Scribe, Noctuary, um, The Nightmare Factory, In yeah. a Foreign Town, In a Foreign Land. I mean, a lot. Of th- these were all from the 80s up through the 90s. I couldn't get my hands on it. But recently, a lot of his work has been reprinted. So... A couple of years ago, I got my hands on the 2006 book, Teatro Grotesco. It was probably probably about 10 years ago. And it took me a long time to read it because it's not like, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's, It's strange. It's like, 
it's some of his stories I felt like weren't even that scary. Some of them were very scary, but some of them where you're just like, there's this, there's this story called the red tower that he uh-huh. wrote in Teatro Grotesco. And it's about this tower. It's like an organic thing in this landscape. You don't even know if it's earth. You don't know where it is. Yeah. That there's this like process inside the tower and it creates these weird objects and novelties and that sounds so weird but like the more you read about it it's like this organic structure that it's just it's truly weird fiction you know maybe some of it's cosmic horror because he's written some books he's written some stories that are very much take from lovecraft like um it's uh the shadow it's called like the shadow at the bottom of the world or something but he had it's just weird fiction so theatric grotesco is great but then i recently they reprinted uh songs of the dead dreamer and grim scribe and put it together in one volume and it's just really weird but i love (laughs) it it's he's he he writes like nobody i've ever read he i mean it's i guess i'll take that back he's similar to lovecraft because his prose can be dense but his stories are so strange they're unlike anything i've ever read before now I recently ordered two more of his books. Um, My work is not yet done. Three tales of corporate horror. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. They're all, they're three novellas set in the workplace. I haven't read them yet, but as somebody who has worked in a corporate accounting office and wanted to just slam my fingers in the filing cabinet, just so I could feel something. (laughs) I'm sure I'll enjoy it. The last tracks, the last thing I'll say he wrote a book in 2010 called The Conspiracy Against the Human Race. It's not mm-hmm. fiction. It's philosophy. It is philo- philosophical pessimism and antinatalist views. Okay. Now, it's heavy. The Conspiracy Against the Human Race is a heavy book. It's, it's yeah. not even that long, but it's like you read it and you start to feel like, we're just insignificant specks of nothing and we mm-hmm. should never have gained consciousness. It's where rust coal gets it all from. I think human consciousness was a tragic step in, in evolution. We are creatures laboring under the idea of self when, you know, when there is no such thing, you know, it's like, it's tough. And I have never finished reading it, mm-hmm. but it's super, super interesting I don't know. I guess it's close to maybe like Nietzsche or something, but it's just interesting that this guy who writes this weird horror fiction also like holds these views and he often like yeah. injects, he injects them into his stories. So I'm not saying start with conspiracy of the human race. If you like Ligotti, if you like what you read, I would say check out Grimscribe, uh, Songs of a Dead Dreamer, that collection, Teatro Grotesco. Those are the only ones that I really have any experience with. Uh-huh. But they're good. Okay. So, if you're into weird fiction, I got into him because I like True Detective so much. But it's it's weird because as I'm reading it, dude, I'm like, I'm I'm picturing like the town and Bloodborne because Bloodborne is based on like cosmic weird fiction too. It's this weird. It all like fits together. It's like that they all think the same when they're like painting these landscapes. So yeah, yeah, Thomas Ligotti. Don't start with conspiracy against the human race, but he's he's good. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like conspiracy against the human race is right up my alley, though. Like that sounds like something I could pick up and be okay with. 
as much as I talk shit and as much as I say, like, you know, ah, fuck it. I'm a very hopeful person and I'm very positive in my heart. And I always want to believe the best about people. And this does not do that for you. <laughs> no, I guess it's a good trait to have, I guess, if I'm a teacher, but you know, the, all, all my, all my spitting and cursing, it's, it's a defense mechanism as I'm yeah, sure yeah, you yeah. know, as I'm yeah, sure yeah, you know. I got you. Yeah, I got you. When you're in a good frame of mind, reading conspiracy against the human race, may not be such a such a drag on your consciousness (laughs) but it's interesting i got you you. okay 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 all right so my number one um is a little bit of a picking up from there um i think uh so we'll see so my number one is a television show that has far-reaching implications okay that show is called loki (laughs) i knew you were gonna pick loki dude it's so fucking good so let me so so oh god damn it where do i even start with the show i love what the marvel universe has done with the with the idea of time travel which is that it's an insane thing that is linear so far okay Mm. so what i love what i love already is these shows have set up like these like really crazy cosmic big bads like you know like like they have set up a couple, well, they've set up a couple different things. And this is something that I don't think that people realize about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that there's so many tie-ins, there's so many moving parts and so many threads that you have to know a little bit about the stories, but you don't really need to know it to catch up with the shows. Like they have set up a ground level villain that's essentially going to set up the Thunderbolts, which is fucking awesome. Um, and so they've already got that in the works. And it's going to be great. Or Dark Avengers. I'm fine with that too. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But the other shows have set up that basically Doctor Strange is going to have a real bad day. That's what's happening. So essentially, so here's so Loki is about not the Loki in Endgame at the or I'm sorry, not the Loki in Infinity War, because there is a Loki in Infinity War that we'll just say doesn't make it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, The story with Endgame, Avengers Endgame, is that they figure out time travel and they go back and they go back to the end of the first avengers movie and mm. there is a loki still alive there that loki escapes he's not supposed to escape and he escapes so essentially what happens is he becomes an anomaly in the timeline like he is not supposed to exist but he does he becomes what's called a variant well q mobius or owen wilson's character <laughs> owen wilson's in the mcu now owen wilson is in the mcu and everybody loves mobius yeah man oh, yeah yeah He's yeah. fucking great. He's Mobius. Mobius, like, man. He doesn't even say wow in it. <laughs> wow. Wow. He doesn't wow. say wow. Wow. <laughs> like he doesn't say it at all. So he plays opposite of Tom Hiddleston's Loki, and it's fucking great. The two of them play off each, uh, off each other really well. You come to love Mobius. You already like Loki, but you forget that Loki's a bad guy. Like, he's a villain. He's designed to trick you, so you never trust him in the entire show. Right. So, essentially, Owen Wilson, Mobius, works for uh, an organization called the Time Variance Authority. And so they're designed to protect the sacred timeline. That's the whole thing. It's one timeline. If there are any variants, they prune them off the timeline. They make sure they don't exist. And so they keep the sacred timeline intact. So it's sort of like Keegan-Michael Key's character in Rick and Morty. Sure. Okay. I don't remember that character, but yes. 
y'all fucking with time up in here get, uh, get, get, get out of here yeah and that's exactly so like that's exactly it so like the whole the whole thing is about they're protecting the timeline but there is a variant okay that is that is messing everything up and it is a variant of loki it's another loki variant fucking everything up two lokis two lokis two lokis. some of some of my favorite things that happen in this show okay i'm not going to spoil it for everybody they introduce the main cosmic villain, sort of, hmm. kind of, Kang the Conqueror, which is awesome. Krang, Super right? scary. Krang, Krang the Conqueror. Yeah, yeah, brain in an android body. Little, little brain guy? Okay. Little brain guy. Oh, that voice. <laughs> little shredder. Oh. <laughs> um, so they also introduced the idea of multiple versions of characters, which is nice. I, I'm a big fan of that. I like that mm. uh, because the because there is like there are like different variants of Loki. There is a Loki alligator at some point in time in this. It's great, and it makes okay. sense because it makes sense because there is a frog Thor also in this show at some <laughs> point in time. Does that like go back to Norse mythology? Is that is that something that happened? At yeah, some there's point? like a there's like a story. There's like well, there's a whole there's a whole comic storyline where Loki turns Thor into a frog and he's called Throg. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, you said some shit about that Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fucking great. Yeah, Throg <laughs> is great. Um, but my fa- so like you have to watch it to appreciate. It. It's only six episodes, but my favorite thing and then what they do is at the end of this, they essentially set it up so that time is not as linear as they think it is, which means that they have all these branches of reality, mm-hmm. which means that literally anything is possible now in the Marvel universe, which means that you're going to have a Spider-Man movie with all three Spider-Men in it. Yeah. I heard about that. It's wild. You're going to have, yeah, you're going to have the possibility that all the X-Men movies are now canon in the Marvel cinematic universe. You can have, there's so many things that this does now it opens up, this entire world of possibilities. I fucking love it so much. I'm like so stoked that, that like literally anything could be like, they could literally think, you know what Disney could do now that they own all of this stuff, they could go back and they could say the original fantastic four movie, not mm-hmm. the ones with Chris Evans, not the ones that were the major, the, the original one that was never released. They can make an argument that that is now Canon. The original one that was never released, which one yeah, was that? They, it's it was never released it was called fantastic four they actually so check this out there's a whole story with this they filmed an entire movie mm-hmm. the studio so that they could keep the rights all they had to do was get a film into production to keep the rights to fantastic four they filmed it they completed it it was horrible looking the <laughs> actors went around and marketed it because they thought it was going to be their big break and they never released it they never even planned on releasing it they mm. just started making the movie so they could keep the rights so it's it's looking more and more like Patton Oswalt's uh, speech on Parks and Rec is like yeah. coming true. Yeah, hell yeah. So <laughs> so that's that's the best part of this. And so it opens up a couple things too. Like it opens up Doctor Strange is doing the Multiverse of Madness. That's the next movie. It's supposed to be like a fucking horror film filmed by Sam Raimi. Oh, Sam Raimi's doing it. Sam Raimi's doing it. Dude, it's got to be it's it's got to be better than the first Doctor Strange. It's just got to be. Well, and this is my favorite thing is like so so like everybody's like kind of feeling sympathy for Doctor Strange right now. It's like uh, all because this guy was texting and driving in 2016 and wanted to get his hands fixed. Now he has to fix the entire multiverse. 
Like that's pretty much what happened. He breaks his hands and he goes to a doctor to learn. He goes to like learn ancient medicine to fix his hands. Oh yeah. That's what I, dude, I fucking hated that movie. Dude, that movie was so good. I hated it. Mads Mikkelsen was underutilized. Yeah. uh, I agree with that. I agree with that. So anyway, the main point of Loki though, is that he meets with a female variant and they run through time trying to fix shit. So, and he falls in love with her. So wait, he falls in love with a female version of himself. Uh-huh. Eh, well, that sounds like some shit Loki would do. He was always changing himself into like a horse and fucking somebody and like, you yeah. Know. Yeah. It's great. So that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, that's so Loki is my number one. <laughs> it, it fucking, it changes the game for, for Marvel stuff. Like it really, and the guy, Jonathan Majors plays Kang. I don't know who Jonathan Majors is. You would know him if you saw him. He's in Lovecraft Country. He's in. Uh, I think it. he was in. He was in Lost. Didn't watch either of those. Surprise. Okay. So you, if you see him, you'd be like, he looks familiar, and he is fucking brilliant in that show. So. Well, okay. So everything's on Disney Plus now. Is yeah. Daredevil? Is Daredevil still on Netflix? Is the Punisher and Daredevil? So uh, I think those are still on Netflix. But they're um, canon, right? They're they're part of well, it. Well, well. Battle in New York. They talk about that. Well. And- supposedly yeah they talk about the battle of new york and all that supposedly charlie cox who plays daredevil is going to be in the new spider-man movie dude and vincent dinofrio dinofrio is going to be possibly in moon knight i gotta say and i was skeptical at first i was never really a fan of daredevil i hadn't read frank miller daredevil at the time but um you and matt told me you're like dude watch the daredevil series it's like he's he's like blind batman and i'm like "Eh, okay i mean i still haven't seen season three which is why i was asking um what a fucking good show and what a great take on it like it was so fucking violent and brutal i mean and then the punisher when the punisher gets introduced in the second one bernthal as the punisher was like fucking awesome hell yeah dude he he kills that whole cell block like he has to kill the whole cell block to, to live yeah it's so sick dude it's so rad i mean and so basically what's happened is like now with the end of loki all of those can be canon okay that's cool i mean i'm into that man i got i definitely got to finish daredevil and the punisher yeah well that also means though that the x-men movies can be canon which means that like hugh jackman can enter as wolverine i mean look dude i never liked him until logan and then i was like that's that's fucking wolverine i yeah, I, I hope he, he is wolverine back. i hope he comes back as like the the grizzled like world weary wolverine that that's yeah. what everybody wants to see no one wants yeah. to see him in the in the yellow tights the yellow and blue tights everyone wants i want to see, see him, him in the, i want to see at least one shot of him in that like that would be rad but like old man logan rules i want to see him in a in an old motorcycle jacket with bullet holes in it just with with like viscera on his claws yeah, I mean that would be rad too. I'll give you that. Yeah. All right. So that's my number one. Okay. All right. So should we do should we run down the lists? Lists. All right. First. You go first. For my number five, earning the platinum trophy in Bloodborne. Bergen with blasphemous murderers, blood-crazed fiends, atonement <laughs> for the wretches, by the wrath of the mother cause, 
mercy for the poor wise child. Number four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stand for something or die for nothing by the street dogs. I can't decide if I want to pick up a wrench or stage dive off a loading dock. Number three. I interviewed a prosecuting attorney for a potential documentary. For an hour and a half, I felt like a real journalist. Number two, finishing the wire. I'm a freeborn man of the USA. And number one, <laughs> Thomas Ligotti. We are not from here. If we vanish tomorrow, no organism on this planet would miss us. Nothing in nature needs us. Ugh. Oh shit, that's so sad. <laughs> it's very sad. It's so sad. All right, my number five, being Mikey's friend. I guess it's fine. <laughs> Number four, Dave Haas, four APs. I never thought I would like a song called Dirty Fucker, but here we are. Number three, All God's Creatures Crematorium. <laughs> Number two, oh, God. Uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. Well, I can't wait to tell you about all about my back pain. <laughs> well, I can't wait to tell you all about my back pain. Uh, and uh, number one, The Loki Show. Finally, a show where you can suck your own dick. You do call it the Loki show. Yeah, Loki <laughs> show. The Loki show. Red Apple Cigarettes presents the Loki show. Speaking of apples, I learned today that there's a thing called apple soup. That's fucking gross. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, all right. Well, this episode has run quite a long time, it feels like. Yeah, we're like six minutes past where we normally need to be. Okay, so let's right. wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. All right. So let's shout all our Patreons. Mike Osborne, Sam Parnum, Laura Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews, Matthew Fisher, Jessica Crane, Mario Cipriano, Christian Purley, Nancy Crozier, Emily Lawson, and Jessica DeMarco. Thank you all. I'm doing the trying you're to doing two, clap. You doing two, you're doing two one-hand claps? Yeah, I was trying to. Kind of. It doesn't make sense, though. Why not just use the... Thanks. Yeah, I can't do that. I can't. My hands, my, uh, you know, because probably because of my, my, the pads on my paws. Are you kidding me? the noise anymore? I can't do it. Ow, that hurts. Um, all right. <laughs> so I don't have anything to update as far as stuff goes. So if you want to find us on Instagram, you can find us on Instagram. I, I mean, there's nothing else, right? Do we have, we have any updates? We don't have any updates. Nah. All right. If you want to find us on Instagram, you can find us on uh, at I Don't Want to Hear It Pod. You can find us on Twitter, IDWHI Podcast. Find us on Facebook at I Don't Want to Hear It Podcast. Find us on, uh, you can email us at IDWHI Podcast. <clears throat> so that's cool. You can check out our publishing company at WNDPress.com. Uh, you can email us at WNDPress.com. Uh, at gmail.com. I'm sorry. WNDPress at gmail.com is our email. I can't get any of that shit right. Um, you can check out my other podcast, Why We Do What We Do. Or Paperback Behavior. Both of those um, are available on our WND network now. Oh, you're done? Okay. That's it. That's all I got. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, head over to our website. I don't want to hear podcast.com. Click the link. It came from the beach to listen to all of our old bands and watch our videos and all that type of shit. Look at the pictures. <clears throat> we used to be cool. Um, also, That's you can true. follow me on Instagram at Wasteland Pod. I probably won't update for a while, but I will soon. And you can listen to Wasteland uh, wherever you get your fucking podcast. So, you know, fuck you. Fucking whatever. So that's going to do it for us this week. And we will be back next week with something. So until then. Annihilate this week. And good night, Taco Bell Joe. 
wherever you are. And I just saw him the other day. Yeah, how's he doing? I think I talked about it on the show, but man, he was just so nice. And the girl who was working the drive-thru was such a shithead. And I felt so bad for him that he's got to be around these people. He's better than them. He really is. He's better than all of us. He's the he's the best person. He's the best person I know. Yeah, when Tom Limpinelli was writing about the, the how people are awful, uh, he didn't talk about talk about Joe. No, Thomas Ligotti wouldn't do it either. I don't. Yeah, oh, that's the guy I meant. Oh, oh, uh, I thought it was some fucking uh, therapist you you read or some shit. Some literature. no, I couldn't. I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> Would you call him Thomas Lampanelli? Thomas Lampanelli. <laughs> so. <laughs> He's Lisa Lampanelli's brother. Yeah, maybe like an uncle. He was born in 1953, so he could be an uncle. Do you remember Lisa Lampanelli? Yeah, she was vulgar. Yeah, it's gonna be cock. <laughs> yeah, she was always talking about sucking dicks. She's always talking about dicks. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye.